When your ideal customer's kids are begging every night to read your book, you've won. At Dinosaur House, we turn industry leaders into kids' book authors. We don't do it because it's a super fun thing to do, although it is. We do it because it's highly strategic. Imagine if every night your customers are being asked by their kids to read a book that your company made. Talk about brand affinity. You're helping your customers connect deeply with the most important thing in their lives, their kids, over something that they are passionate about that has to do with your industry. If you want to have a conversation with us about how your brand could become the author of a kid's book, just hit us up, dinosaurhouse.com. Hit the little button that says schedule a story design call. And we'll have a jam session together on just what your company's kids book could and should be. Hey, everybody. Uh, thanks for checking in today. My name is Patrick Cummings. I recently wrote a book. Uh, called the Family Business Balancing Act, an Entrepreneur's Guide to Being a Better Family Man. And uh, I hope you check it out. Uh, at the same time, I started a company called PNP Strategies. PNP stands for progress, not perfection, because none of us get it right. And uh, life is all about uh, just doing a little better every day. And so thanks for uh, listening today to the Purpose Driven Entrepreneur. Hope you enjoy the show. What's up, Purpose Driven Entrepreneurs? It's me, your host, Timmy Bauer, and my guest today, Patrick. Patrick, thank you so much for joining me. Hey, thanks for having me. I really look forward to our conversation. Yeah, same. Okay, so before we get into anything else, I just want to start with this. If you could explain a little bit, how does your business work? As in, what exactly is it that you sell and to who? How did you start it? And what's been your growth? Yeah, so I have... Uh couple of businesses. My primary business leading up to the book has been the wealth management business. Uh, I, I, I left corporate America after 11 years of that. And I felt like I was a corporate pawn and I wasn't spending enough time with my family. I had two little kids. And so I got into the investment world and uh, started teaching people about how to make good financial decisions. And that led into a to a business that's uh, really blossomed. And I have a great team around me. And part of that, I've, I've uh, started mentoring and coaching some young people coming into the business. And I find that to be more passionate for me um, because I see that so many people start in the profession for money reasons, or they say they want to have more free time or whatnot, and they really don't have a why. Why are they doing it? And I'm finding more and more enjoyment out of helping them than I am, you know watching what's going on in Wall Street. And, and so I wrote this book, um, the Family Business Balancing Act, because as guys, I'm obviously we're not women, so we don't know from the women's perspective, but as guys, we learned or to model what we were taught. And my dad was a workaholic, his dad was a workaholic. I became a workaholic. And what impact does that have on your family? And we all can talk about balance, you know, I talk to so many people about why did you get into being an entrepreneur? And they tell me um, they wanted more balance in their life. They wanted more free time. They wanted more uh, financial freedom, but yet uh, we're probably the worst bosses we've ever had. And that we just, we just work way too much and there isn't balance. And, and I think in the world today that we live in, we're not taught what that even means. And, and so 
I started this venture with PNP strategies to help coach and mentor and speak about what it is. I mean, balance isn't this equal balance, right? You can't spend 50% of your time doing one and 50% of your time doing the other, but but how do you maximize the time that you have with your family? And so I love to speak to groups. Um, that's really what I'm probably the most passionate about, Timmy. Yeah. So um, you were saying you started your own business. What year was that? So I left corporate America in 1999. My daughter had just been born and I was 38. So a career changer. I had a brand new, brand new daughter and my son was uh, about three and a half years old and uh, decided to leave corporate America. And holy cow, was it a, was it a big change? And the primary motive for you was because of work-life balance? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, well, primarily work-life balance, but but I, I, going back, you know, you work for a corporation, you do whatever the corporation tells you, because if you don't, uh, they're going to find somebody else to do it. And so you do whatever you have to do to make your forecast, right? And that meant to me traveling more, being gone more, um, kind of at the beck and call of the corporation. So having written a book on the topic, what do mm-hmm. you feel like is something that you have either come to understand about work-life balance that you think the average person who is an entrepreneur does not understand? Or like what wrinkle do you have to add to the conversation? Like what, it, what, it, what is it that you've got to say that you feel is unique? Well, I think, I think people need to understand that when you go out and start a business, number one, if you go on vacation, you don't get a paycheck, right? And, and so the effort that you're putting in when you first start is, it takes, a, it takes almost all your emotional energy. And I, and I think the thing that people need to realize is that we all are given a specific amount of emotional energy every day. That's all we have. You know, we can't drink a Red Bull or a cup of coffee and get more emotional energy. And I think really early on, people need to recognize how much emotional energy they have and they need to reserve some of that for home. Because if they don't, they're gonna get home and they're not gonna have anything to give to their spouse or significant other, their partner. They're not gonna have anything to give to their children if they have kids. And the challenge that we face today is social media is is ever present. Um, When I was growing up, we didn't have social media, right? Social media was going to the park and hanging out with people or at your bike with your friends. And now we're constantly have this interruption in our face of alarms going off or somebody just messaged me or I got to check out what so-and-so is doing on Facebook or Snapchat or Instagram or whatever the platform is. And all of that takes time away from the people that we say we love and we want to pay the most attention to. And part of my book and and if i could rewrite any part of it i talk about my family as my number one client and i've offended some people in saying that my family's my number one client you need to treat them that way and i did it kind of for the shock factor that my my family's not a client i get that who did it offend um it's offended multiple people that have called like um uh, like clients or like uh what do you mean uh other other fathers that said oh your family your family's not a client. And the I reason clients I, were calling you and being like, what yeah, do you mean we're not your number one client? No, no. So, and, and the reason I said it 
again, was kind of for the shock and awe that, hey, your family's not a client. Okay, that's true. But if you say they're more important, then why don't you put them at that importance level where, you know, if you're sitting down having dinner with them, you're not looking at your phone, right? You're not scanning or, or paging through some something on your phone your, or your tablet because when you're sitting with your best client, you're not doing that. Right. I mean, how many times have you gone to dinner or lunch and you look around the you look around the restaurant and there's a family sitting there and every single person's glued to their device? And, and that's tragic to me. And so when I say that, you know, my family's my most important client, um, I want to treat them with the same level of uh, respect and the same level of uh, I guess gratification that they're that they're with me. Uh, than I would my best, my best client. Um, yeah. How, how does somebody reserve emotional energy for their family? Like you mentioned social media, is it a matter of staying off of social media? What other things does a person need to do to make sure that they're reserving uh, emotional energy for their family? What does it look like to treat your family like they're your most important client? And um, there was one other question I wanted to ask you about the how-to of it. Oh, people, uh, there's a lot of different opinions about like how much is the right amount of time to be spending with your family as a working husband or as a working father. What is your opinion about that? So a lot of questions well, there. Yeah, but. well, determining the right amount of time, that that's tough. Um, that's really tough. And I think it depends, the amount of time I think depends on where your kids are in their life. If you don't spend enough time to develop a relationship with them, doing the things that they love and they're passionate about and you helping, helping grow them, right? By the time they're 12, 13 years old, it's, you got a challenge ahead of you if you haven't done it. Yeah. Like, so, so I think, you know, starting that process as young as, as you can with your kids um, is critically important, especially if you have daughters. Um, and, and I say daughters because there's so much information out there where if a man, a father is not involved in their daughter's life, you know, and you develop a relationship that's a positive relationship, that daughter is going to seek out that relationship probably in inappropriate ways at a very early time in her life. And that's not a good thing. Um, so determining how much time to carve out, man, that's, that's, that's a tough one, but, but how to do it is most of us, if you're running a successful business, you have some form of a calendar, right? Like you and I knew we were getting it on this call at a certain time. And I think you need to schedule in your calendar, in your day time that is going to be uninterrupted time with your family. Like Thursdays, uh, if you look at my calendar, Thursdays, 1130, my wife is on my calendar for lunch. And you know, that's, it's a hard and fast rule that Thursdays we're going to go to lunch and it's going to, you know, that takes precedence. Now life happens, right? My wife's a veterinarian, doesn't work Thursdays, but sometimes she gets called in. Uh, sometimes I have to travel. So, but we make sure that if we, if we cannot have lunch, that time slot gets rescheduled. Just like if you and I can't meet today, yep. that gets rescheduled. And so, so I think you know, work will expand to eat up available time. Yes, it will. We'll let it do that. 
And, and I think you have to reserve that in whatever time system you use. And, you know, and sometimes, all, you know, we all are going to sit down, and look at social media, or we're all going to sit down and kind of kind of let our brains get absorbed into a football game or whatever our passion is. And that's okay because we need time for ourselves. But when we say that we're going to carve out time for our family, it needs to be carved out for them. Like when my son was uh, early teens, he loves everything with an engine and wheels. Okay. Um, he has from the time he was old enough to ride a bicycle and we would buy engines that wouldn't work. We would buy, you know, junk cars and try and get them fixed up to the point where we could sell them and make, you know, a little bit of money to buy the next one or something like that. And, and you know, I have a degree in economics. I, I, I'm not a mechanic, but I would spend the time doing that kind of stuff and helping him figure out how do you research to get the right part. And I mean, one time we bought a car that needed an engine. We bought an engine for that make a car, but we didn't buy the right serial number engine and it didn't work. And we spent hours and hours and hours trying to figure it out. My daughter, on the other hand, like many little girls, passionate about horses. Now you can see a picture right over my shoulder here with my daughter and a horse. I would go to horse shows with her and it's like watching paint dry if you've never been there. You know, you sit there for literally hours and hours and hours and your child goes out and they do an event that maybe takes 10 or 15 minutes, but you're there all day. And, Dang. you know, there's times that was it boring from the standpoint of being at that event? Yeah, kind of. It wasn't, you know, if I could prefer to go fishing or do something else, I would have. But participating in that um, my daughter now is 23. She's going to veterinary medical school. She, she, she's one of my best friends. Um, you know, it's having the relationship I have now with my kids stems back from me learning when they were in elementary school that I was not doing this right. I was working all the time, all the time. And I finally made the decision, you know, in the investment world, stock markets opens at 6.30 and the broker dealer that I used to work for, you know, was buying and selling stocks and bonds. As soon as the market opened, they wanted you on the phone. And I got chewed out a lot. And I finally said, look, I started this because I wanted to run my own business and you're not telling, you're not letting me run it the way I want to run it. I am making my kids breakfast every day and I'm taking them to school every day. And then I'll be in the office. And if you don't like it, let me go. And I finally resigned from that company a couple of years after that, because, you know, my production was fine. My new accounts were fine, but they just felt that I needed, I mean, the pressure to be there at 6, 37 o'clock in the morning, selling stocks and bonds. It was more important to me to take my kids to school, you know, yeah. and, and I'd make yeah. them waffles in the morning. And, and that's the other part is, is if you're taking your kid to school, don't have them watching a video in the backseat and you're on the phone, right? Have a conversation with them. Find out if they love red cars or yellow cars or school buses or and play a game and, 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 and interact with them when they're on the way to school. And, and I think we're just, our society is in such a state that we have to be connected to everything at all times. And we're forgetting the ones that we say we love so much. Yeah. 
Man, so many good things there. I, I, I love what you have to say about developing an interest and a passion in the things that your kids are interested and passionate in. And then the idea that instead of, uh, instead of canceling, like if you have to cancel something with your kids, instead of canceling, you should reschedule it because there's yeah. so much more power uh, emotionally in being told that you're rescheduling something than that you're canceling something. Canceling, right. huge letdown. Reschedule, it's huge like, letdown. okay, I'm important. Well, and the other part of it is, is if you tell them you're going to be there, uh, you need to be there. Yeah. You know, uh, my dad left when I was five. Uh, my mom and dad got divorced when I was five. And my brother moved away when I was nine to be with my dad. And, you know, the most disappointing times were the times that he said he was going to be at a baseball game or at an event. And I would look in the bleachers and he wasn't there it was way different when he would explain to me beforehand the reason why he couldn't be there, but he'd be at the next one. Yeah. And, you know, the, there's tons of movies out there. I can't think of the names of them right now, but where, where you can see these similarities where, you know, this, this kid's first time out on the basketball court where he gets to actually play and he makes a basket, looks around and dad's not there to witness it yeah now, why is this such an emotional thing for me part of it is growing up my dad you know not always being there and and it was because he was a workaholic it wasn't he was a bad dad he was trying to provide right um i missed my son's very first christmas program at school when i was in corporate america because i had to be at a meeting if i didn't go to the meeting i could lose my job and i missed his first program at school well you can't get that back you know, and, and so again, when they, when they were in elementary school, my wife was working way too many hours of veterinarian. I was trying to build the business. I finally just made a decision that I'm going to spend time with them and develop that relationship because literally you only have it for a finite period of time. You know, my son now is 26. I live in Washington state. He lives in Indianapolis. He works for an Indy race car team, which is awesome. Um, but he travels all the time. You know, we just, we just don't get to see him much. Yeah. So Patrick, I started this podcast because I wanted to ask purpose-driven entrepreneurs what it is they're really living their life for. When you think about the question of like, what do you want to be remembered for when you die? Or what do you feel that you're living your life for? What jumps out to you as most important? Well, what's most important would be my family. Um, Number one, um, I was asked the other day if I could pick anybody I wanted to sit next to on an airplane. You know, you're traveling across the United States and you could sit next to any famous person you want to sit next to and kind of caught me off guard and I would rather sit next to my kids. And so, you know, for me, I want I want to, you know, get to the end of this race of life and my kids thinking that, you know, I was the best dad that I could be. Um and, and maybe I'll be a grandfather someday. I'm not wishing that early, but to be a great grandfather, but then also uh, a man of value. You know, uh, if you've not read my book, there's parts of my book, I'm very vulnerable in this book. And I true, truly believe that if somebody reads my book and they follow a few of the, of the principles that I lay out in my book, it'll save their marriage and potentially save the life of their child. And, and I'm not saying that um, 
from anything other than the fact that I truly, truly believe that I've had people call me in tears about what impact, you know, they said they wish they would have read my book when they were 25 before they had kids. And I had a guy tell me the other day, he called me and he said, did you write this book specifically to me? And I said, no, but evidently it did what it's supposed to do. Um, we all get a bunch of stuff wrong. It's how do we move forward from that? And uh, I, I, I got to tell you, my wife read the first three chapters of my book and she put it down. She said, I can't read anymore because it's too personal. But we almost got divorced 15 years ago. And I mean, we were within, I can't tell you how close we were to getting divorced. We didn't fight. We had just, our, our lives, our, our, we had just separated, right? Mentally, emotionally. Um, and had I not listened to some of the guys in my men's group and implemented some of the things that I talk about, like going to lunch with her every week, um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't still be married, I don't think. And if I hadn't changed from corporate America, I wouldn't be married because I was leaving on Mondays and getting home on Fridays. And, um, there's some things I did that, in the, you know, I wrote about that uh, saved my son's life. And I truly believe that. So, so to your question, that's a long answer. But to yeah. your question, what do I want to be remembered as? Is I want to be remembered as a guy who let other men know that it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to admit that we make mistakes um, and to just strive to do a little bit better every day. Awesome. So that book is called The Family Business Balancing Act. The link will be in the description of this episode. Um, Patrick, I've got two for fun questions I want to ask you before you go. The first yeah. one is, uh, speaking of potential grandkids, so I'm a kid's book author. I believe that part mm -hmm. of leaving a legacy means reaching kids. What's mm -hmm. a topic or idea you'd make a kid's book about if you could? You said you weren't going to ask me questions that are tough. Um, <laughs> you know, I love making up stories. When my kids were little, I'd lay on the floor with them or lay with them and, and tell them stories and, you know, just make them up. And I, and I think if somebody could write a story that just really opens the imagination of these kids, um, you know, I'll never forget my kids. I'd start to fall asleep telling the story. My kids would be poking me saying, dad, tell me more, tell me more. And, you know, they're just made up fun stories. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a chimpanzee behind the boat, water skiing and doing crazy things. And the kids visualizing this, right? And, and uh, so I think for me to get people out of what's in front of us all the time and get them to, you know, just, just think about, you know, things that may or may not be possible to get, but uh, um, just made up stories. Awesome. I love it. Last for fun question. What's something you currently suck at that a year from now you want to be great at? <laughs> well, uh, there is a book that I read and it's, it's called Who Not How. And the reason that that book is so important to me is if I'm sucking at something, trying to figure it out, I have to ask myself, who do I get to do this? Because I don't know how to do it. Yeah. Um, so that book is uh, revolutionary. 
I'm gonna, I'm gonna awesome. make a kid's book on the topic. Yeah, but I can't call know, it who not how, but just the the idea behind it of looking yeah. in your looking at your network for problem solving instead of yeah. trying to educate yourself. Timmy, you you're asking a question of me that's really difficult. And the reason it's really difficult is years ago I realized that I have a ton of weaknesses, um, but I'm really good at just a few things. And I decided to hire people that were really good at things that I, that I sucked at. Um, but one thing that I will say that I suck at is okay. hiring and firing. Yeah. I don't want to fire anybody. I want everybody to be my friend. And the, and the reason I bring that up right now is because we're in the process. We need to hire two new associates for my office. And uh, I interview people. I like everybody. And so yeah. I am not good at that process. And that's the only thing that comes to mind. You, you threw me off guard here. <laughs> I love it. I was just at lunch talking with a friend of mine who is trying to make a very, very important hire in his business. And he's very nervous about the conversations that like what, what to ask. And because, because he'll easily come away with a good impression. And the advice that I gave him was to lead with the, the ugly, thing that like that's not really ugly but it would really turn somebody off and just try to get their impression of it like what's the thing that that has like caused other people to not want to work for you anymore or like like lead exposing that and then just get their reaction to it um and i don't know if it's good advice or not but it's the advice that i used in dating so i feel like it could potentially work <laughs> when it comes to hiring <laughs> that's awesome anyway the other the other question that's an awesome question is you know, Timmy, if you and I are having this conversation three years from today, same same conversation three years from today, what has to happen uh, over those three years for you to be happy with your progress personally, professionally, financially? Yeah. And and let them talk, um, you know, and, and uh, we we were interviewing a guy last week that it, it's so it looked like a pretty good fit until I asked that question. And he wanted to go out and establish his own company and he wanted to be in a band and he didn't want to work eight to five and different things like that. And we're like, well, time out, you know, this, this ain't going to work. So. Got it. Um, Patrick, this has been a really fun conversation. Where are you most active on social media for folks to connect with you? Uh, I'd say uh, Instagram and LinkedIn. Um, I don't do much on Facebook, but Instagram and, and uh, LinkedIn PNP strategies. Uh, they can, they can look up my website, pnpstrategies.com. Uh, and find a link there. So, yeah. Great. This has been a great conversation. Oh, sorry. Fortunately, fortunately, Timmy, I have a young young gentleman that works with me that helps me with social media because uh, I'm not very good at social media. Who, not how. Who, not how. That's right. Yeah. All right. What a great conversation, Patrick. Thanks for being on. Timmy, thanks so much. I really appreciate what you're doing and uh, good luck to you. Thank you. Thank you.